Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the, God our, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Amazing. Yes. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, it's good to, to see you. If you're new, again, welcome. As Drew said, my name's Evan, and my wife Sandy and I, we have the honor of leading this church. Uh, it's good to be back. Three weeks of vacation was a, a joy, reset, recharge for our family. We missed you guys like crazy. And as you know, uh, July was Sabbath month. Hopefully, Sabbath month, July for our church, and you was restful and a recharge as you reoriented around Jesus. Um, you guys got some incredible guest teaching. It was fun to catch up with the podcast on that. And today is, we're in August, you guys. Feels crazy. We're in August. Which, first off, August 1st means it's Baptism Sunday right now. You guys, Baptism Sunday, is, we look forward to it every month. But here's the deal, this, this month we have zero people signed up to be baptized, which is how we used to do it, that's fine, which means, you guys, we are absolutely open to spontaneous baptisms right now in this gathering and at the 1030. So if you have never followed Jesus into the waters of baptism, which is step one in life in Jesus, then come on, like me and my wife are gonna be up by the water right after the teaching during the worship to, to welcome you into a conversation, what that looks like. So if you, maybe you consider yourself a Christian and you are a follower of Jesus and yet you've never made that step into the waters in front of the community of God, then come on, today's your day uh, to step into the waters. So uh, even, even, and listen, even if no one gets baptized, we roll out this tank and fill it up every week as an act of liturgy, like worship. So every week we have the table. You don't have to get the bread and cup, but we invite everyone to. And every month, we have the water. You don't have to get baptized. No one's twisting your arm. But everyone who follows Jesus is invited into these two things, the table and the water. And so we have them available every single month. So, uh, so, so let's move on. Fall is right around the corner. And for all of us, this feels like a new moment. Uh, we read Deuteronomy 6. You're going to hear why in a second. Maybe it's a new school year for you. Uh, new business endeavors, and a, for everybody, it's a new like post-COVID reality. And for Park Hill Church, starting August 22nd, we'll be in a 10-week series called Future Church. 
or for the first time ever, we're partnering with other churches in our city, three churches at once, teaching the same series as one unified family because we see the Spirit uniting the church in a unique way in this moment. So the backstory is my dear friends, John Mark Homer, Dave Lomas, and others, we meet once a year and we have done for years. And we've been praying for our churches. What does the Spirit see the church of 2030 becoming and 2040? And then we hit COVID and it's like, oh man, like <laughs> the ch- there's no friend. There's the fringe of the church is way smaller. Now, if you're here, I remember Todd Proctor's sermon last week. If you're here, that's a big deal. Like the committed core has, has sunk in. And so what does that mean for this post-COVID reality? And so that's what we are kind of painting a picture of for 10 weeks. And that's how the Future Church series was born, just praying for this moment. Um, and so starting August 22nd, Park Hill Church, Light Church, Neighbors Church, Benji, Dan, and us, we're going to go through this stuff. Uh, but first, to prepare our hearts for hearing God in the fall, we're actually doing a three-week series starting today called hearing God. And you read, the, you read the cornerstone text already, Deuteronomy 6. This is what it's all about, how to hear and respond to the voice of Jesus. We want to be a community that knows how to do that, that lives there in a posture of responsiveness. And so Deuteronomy 6, we're going to dive in, but remember, it's that famous chapter right after the ancient Hebrews were delivered from slavery and God begins to reshape a nation. You've seen Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, or at least grew up with the story of Moses. God is preparing a nation, you guys, um, for a future in the promised land. And God gives them that famous command that we just read. Hear, O Israel. Listen, hear. And it's almost like he says it twice as if to say, get ready, Israel. I'm about to speak. I'm about to move. And you don't want to miss what's about to happen. And that's where we find ourselves right now in 2021. Uh, We're coming out of a moment of tension, and we find ourselves in a similar spot. After a hard year, God's reshaping us. This room looks different, you guys. (laughs) A lot of people are part of Park Hill that were not before, and a lot of people that were before, I don't even haven't seen them in a year, you know what I mean? COVID shuffled the deck. He's reshaping this church, which is so exciting. Um, And our leadership, along with other churches, together believe God wants to speak right now. He wants to move. And this fall, we're dedicating a whole, a whole series. What does that look like for the future? And today, we're doing a little series on let's get ready. Let's prepare. We want to hear you, God. And, and, and not just on Sundays. Every Tuesday, like it was said, we're going to pray in a posture of listening every Tuesday right here in this building for a month of crying out. We need to do that, you guys. All right. So, so that's, that's the nuts and bolts. That sound good. So let's dive in. Um, New series for a new moment, all about hearing God. And and Deuteronomy 6 shows us what that community looks like. And so right now, uh, we haven't spent a ton of time on Sundays in the Old Testament. We've done a lot of New Testament books. So, So sometimes the response to, oh, a series in the Old Testament, isn't that like kind of irrelevant? Like, shouldn't we spend more time in the New? Uh, And that is a common thought. You know, uh, but remember, the Old Testament is Jesus's Bible. It's the one that shaped his worldview. And we follow Jesus. He believed, he received the Old Testament as authoritative over his life. And at the same time, he believed it pointed 
to his authority, which is amazing. And we're, we're Jesus followers, so our goal is to read the Old Testament the same way Jesus did. So in the beginning, God creates everything, right? The Genesis story. And then only three pages in, God's family, it, doesn't, it only takes two page turns for God's family to betray God, right? Um, and then the rest of the Old Testament is God working very closely with one family, the family of Abraham, in order to save every family. That's very important. Sometimes we misunderstand the Old Testament. Why is God so excited about Israel and not other ethnicities? No, he absolutely is pumped on every nation, tribe, language, and color. And he's going to save them very specifically through one family. That's the story of the Old Testament. God was always a multi-ethnic, multinational God. Uh, he wasn't just all about Israel. He was working through Israel for every tribe. And, and, and so we see that working out. And right here, you guys, to bring us to our text, in Deuteronomy, we reach this point in the story where Abraham's family is ballooning into this giant pre-nation tribe of nomadic ex-slaves, okay? Just wandering through the wilderness. And they've just been freed. The oppressor is destroyed. And now they're becoming a nation. How does a nation of, how does a group of slaves that grew up from one house become a nation that thrives? That's the story. That's actually the story of the Old Testament. It's incredibly liberating, you guys. And, and, and they're finding their identity now. No longer as uh, slaves or the oppressed, but now as God's chosen. And, and it's beautiful. And one day Jesus is going to come out of this chosen family. But right now they're forming. And they're about to step into the homeland. The land flowing with milk and honey as... <laughs> I guess those things were really valuable back then. This, I guess we take them for granted now, but that's how God, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's a very special land. They're about to step in, and God wants to shape them. And, and listen, here's the shape he wants them to be. He wants them to be shaped as a hearing God community. That's the shape, ultimately. Shaped as hearers. That's the backdrop. So, so let's read it again with that backdrop. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord directed. First slide here, or the next one, slide 3. Directed me to teach you to observe in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. Why? So you may enjoy a long life. Pretty good. God's not just wanting to boss them around. <laughs> he wants them to flourish. Verse 3, hear, hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, promised. There it is. So, so right here in chapter 6, the author's setting up one of the greatest moments of the whole Bible, this, this moment, one of the most profound moments for all of Israel's consciousness. And in the chapter before, we find the Ten Commandments repeated. That's why Deuteronomy is titled Deuteronomy, like it means the second time the law was given. It's a repeat. Uh, the first time was in Exodus, and this is the second time the Ten Commandments are, are given. That's a repeat. That's where the title Deuteronomy comes from. 
Um, and so in chapter 5, there's that famous line, verse 22. These are the commandments the Lord proclaims in a loud voice to your whole assembly here on the mountain from the fire, the cloud and the deep darkness, and he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. There it is, the law. And who did he give the law to in a loud voice in that verse? Who, who, who did God speak in a loud voice to? Everybody, everybody got it. All the people got to hear God. Everybody got to hear God, the whole family, you guys. God isn't choosing, his intention wasn't to choose just one little special priest tribe. That wasn't the, the original thing. God wanted everyone to relate to him, okay? And, and then the family responds, essentially, we've heard, we hear, we've seen, we listen, we obey. So that's basically a summary of verses 24 through 27. They're like, yes, thank you, and we hear. And then in the last line of chapter 5, God's like, okay, good start. Now walk in obedience. The Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land you'll possess. Do you see what's happening here, you guys? God declares his good desires, his commitment. He says, I'm committed to you. I will be your God. Will you be my people? I'm going to be your leader. Will you be my family? And his family's like, we will. We're in. They're confirming. And then God's like, okay, great. I'm going to be faithful. Are you going to be faithful to me? And they're like, we will. We will be faithful. I will. You will. Do you promise? I do. Now, do you promise? I do. What does that sound like? Good. Yes, you're getting it. You're following. This is great. It's a wedding. Totally. That's the idea here. God and his people are getting married. This is what is happening in the first five books of the Bible, from Exodus to Deuteronomy. God and his people are creating a marriage covenant. In fact, that's what the Bible is. It's the written marriage certificate, so to speak. The Bible is the covenant documents for God and his people together. Is that how you think of the Bible? What is the Bible to you? What's your relationship to these 66 books? That's not usually the way most people think of the Bible, right? Like marriage certificate? What? That's weird. It's common to hear the Bible talked about like, oh, it's a book of rules, get your laws off my body, or maybe it's just a holy religious scripture book or whatever we mean by that. And it is holy and it is scripture and it is really old for sure. But, but all of this means the Bible is a library of covenant documents that record and confirm the agreement and shared life between God and his covenant family. Like a marriage license, right guys? It's a marriage license with a story. This is why we can say this Bible has authority over our lives. That's why we say, you ever heard the phrase biblical authority? For most of us in today's age, it kind of makes us like cringe like, oh, I don't like talking about the Bible's authority because that's used to abuse people. And it absolutely is. It absolutely is used to abuse. Uh, but that doesn't negate the reality that is beautiful. Um, the Bible and all of God's commands and the way of Jesus, it's authoritative for the family and only for the family, right? And this is where Drew, the worship leader Drew, he, 
he, he, he read my notes ahead of time. He's like, you got to put a Vin Diesel joke right in there in the family part. He's, and, but I haven't seen any Fast Furious movies, so, uh, uh, and I haven't seen the memes, so I'd feel fraudulent. But, Drew, that was for you just now. I just mentioned that for you, for the family. Uh, that's what the Bible is. It's for the family, right? And don't, but don't get me wrong. It's also for the world because it's full of wisdom. And life in general, there's a lot of wisdom in the pages on how humans were meant to flourish and relate to each other. It tells the truth about sin and injustice and how Jesus is going to judge for sure. But listen, um, the blessings of this covenant, the, the agreement to live in keeping with God, uh, that's only available to people who agree, right? And that kinda, it's kind of obvious. Without that, then biblical authority sounds tyrannical and like a malevolent dictator for sure. Totally get your laws off my body at that point. But no, 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 no. It's an agreement first. God's like, I will be faithful to you. Will you be faithful to me? I will. Okay, great. Here's how it's going to roll. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. I see the blessing. So you enter an agreement when you come under the Bible's authority. It's not just authoritative for everyone in the world in the same way. Because the covenant family of God has agreed to come under its authority. Uh, that's, that's so important, you guys. A whole, we, we've missed talking about the Bible that way. And because we have, we've painted all kinds of caricatures. But the blessings of following Jesus, they're only available to people who agree to submit to God's goodness and be in the family. It seems straightforward in every other like legal arrangement, right? Again, think of marriage. Marriage is a legal thing in most countries. I'm married to Sandy. So in my marriage to Sandy, question, does our certificate of marriage carry any authority over mine and Sandy's lives? 100%, like you bet. It's the legally recognized proof of our spoken agreement, our covenant. We created 20 years ago, you guys. We're married 20 years. Uh, yeah. Oh, thanks. So, so 11-11-2000, that's Veterans Day. Um, just happened to be. It was a great Saturday that week. And uh, little 19-year-old Evan, 19, and Sandy, who's same age, we stood before God and all our people in the Maranatha Chapel Church building in Rancho Bernardo, and we created, we created a covenant. We spoke it. That's when the marriage uh, exists, at that moment. And if you don't believe we did that, you can ask the witnesses, right? Uh, our mentors, they were there. And, and then if you still don't believe it, like if you're a lawyer and you're like trying to work out where the money goes, uh, we have a document for that, right? Called a license and certificate of marriage. And if you don't believe that document, can't help you. U.S. government believes it. And if you don't, there's something wrong because um, it lets us share all our money and our stuff and whatever else. And that's huge. That's a blessing. And if we ever broke our covenant, what happens? That's when the authority of the document really kicks in, doesn't it? Right? That's when the blessings, the other side of the coin is a curse. Are you with me? Right? Like loss of relationship, loss of assets and partnership, all kinds of other things. We're talking layers of trauma. 
It's tragic. So this is what the Bible is. This is how biblical authority works between God, the only true God, and his family who agrees with his goodness. The scriptures are a covenant relationship document, a library of documents, like a marriage certificate. And so that's the backdrop here. Will you? I will. All right, we will. I will. I'm faithful. I'll be faithful. And and it's gravity here. And so we can come to verse 4 now with the right respect, the respect that this deserves. 3,000 years of Jewish tradition, look at this verse as ground zero for life in God. Ready? Let's actually read this out loud. Verse 4 up on the screen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It's like to have, to hold, this day forward till death do us part. Same thing happening here, you guys. I had to do a year of Hebrew language in seminary, and at the start of every class day, our professor would make us stand up and read that, but in Hebrew. It was very moving. And, and that, that verse, that word here, does anybody know the Hebrew word there, the, the word here? Shema, good, yeah. That's why this is called the Great Shema. Maybe you've heard that. Uh, the Great Shema. For 3,000 years, this was the cornerstone of hearing God, being a community that can see, hear, and relate to God. So fast forward to Jesus, right? We're Jesus followers. We don't just camp out in the Old Testament ever. It's one unified story that leads to Jesus. And so in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment, where does Jesus point? The Shema. He points to here. Oh, Israel, love the Lord, all your heart, soul, mind. That's where Jesus points. And so now we have to admit that we have a problem. So we, we like to talk about the problems that we have with the Bible here at Park Hill Church because if we don't admit them, identify them, we can't, and you can't move from them. And so surprise, surprise, 21st century modern Westerners have a problem with the Bible. And as it turns out, um, usually, if not always, actually, I will say definitively always, if we have a problem with the Bible, the problem's always on our end, not the Bible's. Uh, So what is our problem? We have a hearing problem. I think we have a hearing problem, which is why we need a series called Hearing God. So in in modern English, we have a hearing problem because in our culture, we have no trouble separating hearing from obeying. We have no trouble separating hearing from obeying. In other words, we we can call ourselves Christians, we can read the Bible, we can go to church, listen to a podcast of a sermon, and be like, oh, that was moving, that really gave, I felt like that did some work in my soul, that's great, but we didn't really hear because in the end of, at the end of the day, we, nothing changes, and our lives don't change. You guys, that's foreign to the world of the Bible. In the world of the Bible, hearing and obeying are synonyms. They're synonyms. To hear God was to obey him. This is what Shema means. Shema literally means obey and hear. We don't have a word that means both in English, so we can separate them all day long, right? 
I mean, it's wild when you think about it. Like you can say you follow Jesus, and we can agree with Bible teaching. <laughs> we can be like, that's true. I believe what my pastor is saying. And, and that worship song, I really felt God's presence or whatever, right? And at the same time, uh, we, we Monday through Saturday live the way we want, unchanged. And at the end of the day, we come back on Sunday thinking we're hearing God again. That is so Western and so modern and foreign to the world of the Bible. Like, yes, I, I hear, we, we just prayed with Drew. We prayed the prayer of generosity, right? I, I believe Jesus' teachings on sacrifice and generosity, and then we refuse to give to the poor or to our even local church. Or, or yes, I hear Jesus on loving, wow, Jesus says, love your enemies. And then we can stay bitter toward that family member or the friend that's a former friend now. Or, or yes, I hear Jesus' teaching on you know, only having sex with the person you are married to, but that's just kind of like an ideal and not authoritative, right? I mean, we're only human in today, anyway. Somehow we can do this, you guys, in today's culture. Um, as modern people, we become masters at separating hearing God from obeying God. And we've somehow managed to sustain that double standard while convincing ourselves we're following Jesus. This is foreign to the Bible. Hearing and obeying are synonyms. Same word, Shema, same word. So how do I know, how can we say this? How do I know this? Well, Jesus taught this explicitly during an intimate meal with his disciples. Remember his last meal? Um, we celebrate his last meal every Sunday with the bread and the cup. During that meal, did you know Jesus told them what God's love language is? How many of you have read five love languages or you kind of know about them, at least? If you haven't read them, you know. What are the five? <laughs> Gary Chapman hit a stinking gold mine with that book. I don't know how he did it. But, but what are the five? Like physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, quality time, oh, service, acts of service, whatever. He, he missed my love language entirely. It's food. My, my love language is food, 100%. Uh, so I'm going to rewrite it with six. But during, during the Last Supper, Jesus gave God's love language. You know what it was? Obedience. He says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. And again, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Could not be more clear. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Obedience is God's love language. And again, same chapter. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them, make our home with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey my teaching. He's getting like lawyer level clear about this right now. He's stating it positively. He's stating it negatively. He's saying, this is the way my love language works. These words you hear aren't my own. They belong to my father. So according to Jesus, to know God is to love him. And to love him is to obey him. You can't separate any of it. But we're so good at it. Like, we're so good at compartmentalizing the pie chart of our life with God. We're like, here's the, here's the church part. Got to make sure I have three hours cut out for community night and, and church service on Sunday. 
That's three hours of my week or whatever. But over here is my relationships, and then there's my more secret stuff I don't really know what to do with, and then there's the public stuff, and there's work and school. And we parse it out, but for Jesus, he doesn't see life separatable like that. Knowing God is hearing God is obeying is loving. It's the same. They're all synonyms. This is important, you guys. As people of faith, we have to... Specifically, Jesus following people of faith, we, we have to get this. Be, because we have another problem. <laughs> I don't mean to be negative this morning, but it's so important. Like, as modern Westerners, we tend to think of faith as a religion you join, right? Or the Christian faith is like a set of doctrines you agree with. And yeah, that's part of it. But if that's all you get, that's a paper-thin version. Um, for Jesus and the scriptures... Faith is relational trust. Keep that marriage document in your minds, you guys. Think about a marriage. I don't deepen my bond with Sandy by reading my marriage license. You know what I mean? By just memorizing my marriage certificate. I don't even know what it says except our names right now. And the, maybe the date on my, yes, definitely the date, I remember. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't remember anything else. I don't, I don't, deepen my bond with Sandy by reading a book on marriage or listening to a marriage podcast only, that might not even be square one. That's like prep for the ball game. If I want to deepen my bond with her, I have to engage her. In real life, I have to behave like I trust her, and I have to behave trustworthy. Am I right? Any relationship works that way. Why would your relationship with God be different? So the same thing goes for faith, relationship, connection with God. Paul writes this to Rome, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. I grew up hearing that, but I always read it like, oh, faith comes by reading the Bible and reading the Bible, uh, and the Bible is the word of God, or whatever. That's not what it says. When Paul says faith comes by hearing the message, Paul doesn't mean faith comes just by hearing the Bible being read or hearing a Bible study at church, or listening to a podcast with a preacher, or whatever, we think of hearing the Bible that. We think of hearing God in those terms. We have to move past that. Because in the scriptures, hearing, obeying, knowing, and loving, they're the same. Hearing is obeying. It's not passively consuming. Our faith grows as we hear slash obey Jesus. So no wonder there's a crisis of faith in the West, right? No wonder doubt and deconstruction are seen as virtuous. We've separated hearing Jesus from obeying him. And consequently, we've sabotaged our faith. So Park Hill fam, like we're stepping into a new moment. No one has ever done for a century a global pandemic especially one where we're connected globally. No one's ever done that at all. And, and we, with the click of a button on our phone, can check in on the church in Rome, in South Africa, in South Korea, in El Cajon. And we can say, hey, what's God doing? What's the Spirit saying? And who's listening? We can do that now. And so as we step into this post-COVID reality, increasingly secular, the Christian faith will be less, will be further from power than ever. This is not the 1980s anymore. Ronald Reagan and Christian leaders aren't 
rocking the world anymore with their plans. The, the moral majority is gone, which is really, really good for the way of Jesus because it tends to thrive when it's pushed away from political power, historically. So what are we gonna do, you guys? Let's hear God. Let's hear the Spirit calling in Jesus' name to be God's family of obedience and grace and forgiveness and integrity and generosity and hospitality and sacrificial enemy love. That's the hardest one, if I may say so. This is the posture we're looking for. As we step into the fall, this is it. And then we're gonna hit Advent and then Christmas Eve, which will be our fourth birthday. Four years as a church in San Diego. The first two years were wild. The second two years were totally wild in a different way, wasn't it? Four years together, you guys. As we hit this moment, our leadership team has all kinds of dreams. For 2022, you guys, we're in the process of bringing on new elders right now. They're in the nomination phase. And then uh, after candidacy, we'll introduce them to you. We're praying about a shared ministry space, like a 24-7 shared co-working slash training space for raising up leaders near here, um, where we can share meals and worship and prayer throughout the week and not just be limited to this room. This is the only real estate we have, and it's only one day a week. You guys, God has been so faithful to this church through a really hard time. <laughs> and many of you, you guys, have been faithful in a hard time through being generous and opening up your homes and facilitating just the most fatiguing Zoom meetings. You guys have been amazing. And so here's the call. Let's commit to consciously growing in hearing God as a church family, to grow in obedience to the way of Jesus in every area. And so to that end, we're gonna look at the last couple of verses of this passage because it just leaves us with a couple practical observations. How do we do this? How do we practically become a community that hears? Um, so let's close it out. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be where? Yeah, yeah. So on your heart. So this ends, this need, hearing God is a, is a culture of the heart and it's a culture of the home. This is where he ends. It, it needs to be the culture of your heart and the culture of your home. And right here he nails the heart. So I'm just gonna ask, right now, is responding in obedience to Jesus, is it the heartbeat of your life? Is it something you wake up thinking like, man, I want to grow in this. I see myself becoming the kind of person I respect. Is that something that's bleeding out of your life and your schedule and your bank, everything about you? Another way of asking that is uh, when you sit in silence, what bubbles up? When you're 10 minutes alone in solitude, are you comfortable with yourself? Are you like, oh my gosh, I don't like what the spirit or me or whatever's happening, I don't know. Well, why is that? Just begin to observe your interior life. Is the culture of your heart beating to hearing God? Are you desiring to hear God? Um, so let's just do 30 seconds right now before we close the teaching. Just invite the spirit just to begin a conversation with the Spirit that might last all week or two, two weeks, maybe all three of this series. Holy Spirit, come. Maybe uncross your legs, unfold your arms, and just say, Lord, would you come? 
If this is a culture of the heart, is that in me? Is my heart beating to respond obediently all day, every day? Or do I have compartments that are unyielded? Search me. 20 more seconds. Holy Spirit, search me. Ten more seconds. If you are hungry for God, celebrate it like David did. As the deer longs for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. That's good. Amen. Amen. Have moments like that this week. Have moments of examination. May this be the culture of your heart. And then finally, is it the culture of your home? Is it the culture of your home? Look at Deuteronomy 6, 7. It says, impress them, the commands, impress them on your who? Do you have the slide up? There it is. Impress them on your kids. Yeah. So, okay, now if you have kids, that's pretty clear, right? Teach your kids the way of Jesus. Is this a culture at home? But listen, what about if you don't have kids? I'd venture to say, based on the ages of people in this room, I'm being very just judgmental right now, but I'm venturing to say most of, most of folks in this room don't have kids, um, then get creative because this is a command. Get creative. It applies to you too. One obvious channel, you guys, is to serve and teach kids in your local church on Sundays. Pastor Ariel, uh, she's a pastor of kids and family. She does such a great job training teachers of kids. And let me say this clearly, you guys, parents are not the only people called to teach kids. I'll be, <laughs> little rant moment, it's real quick, I'll be honest, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit when it's mostly moms signing up to do kids ministry. Because um, many moms mainly see their kids all week long, just speaking, just matter of fact, um, and, and then they come to church and then mainly see their kids if they're teaching kids, you know what I mean? So meanwhile, the majority of unmarried people without kids at church are like hanging out and talking before or after the gathering, which is awesome. So good, you guys, I want that. But, but, but I'm like, hey, maybe that mom of three kids who signed up to serve kids for the second time this month, maybe she'd like to talk to someone other than her own kids for 15 minutes at church after Monday through Saturday, maybe. So, if you, so listen, if you don't have kids here, please consider obeying Deuteronomy 6-7. Impress them on your spiritual kids. Impress the way of Jesus on your spiritual family right here. Okay, rant over. And then, and then verse 7, talk about them. This is still culture of the home. Talk about them when you sit at home. Next, next slide. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. If you didn't notice, this passage is the home Bible study 101 for ancient Israel. This is what it was. As we're going to see in the next couple Sundays, when Jesus was tested by Satan, you know that famous story? Jesus goes to the wilderness and he's tested. He goes to this chapter. When Satan is attacking him, he's hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, Jesus resorts back to 101 stuff. It's like he reverts to childhood. And he goes back to probably the first Bible studies from his mother Mary. This was Jesus' home culture, you guys. So whatever your living situation, whether you're unmarried or you're married, 
or you live alone or roommates, a student or senior citizen, is Deuteronomy 6 your home culture? Do you have a framework for regular response to God's commands in conversation with other people, specifically younger people in your life? Do you have a framework for this? Do you have something in place for this? He's like, at home, on the road, lying down, getting up. It's an all-day thing. The obvious place for this is join a community. If you're not part of a Park Hill community, this is what happens there. But what about beyond community gatherings? In our, in our home, you guys, this summer, we started a new rhythm. And I wish we started this earlier, and it's been amazing. Um, the title is pretty straightforward, No Bible, No Breakfast. We started that this summer. It sounds pretty intense, just like it sounds. Um, and it goes for all, all seven of us. Our three older boys, they can each read on their own, but Harper and River, they're eight and six, so, so Sandy and I whip out the Jesus Storybook Bible, and we go through one entry with them, and, and it's great. I love Hendrik, he's 13, he's reading Exodus in the New Living and, uh, Bible. And <laughs> he came to me a couple weeks ago, and he's like, Dad, or a text, Sandy texted me because she was talking to him. And Sandy's like, Hendrick just read Exodus 21. And he's like, this is awful. This is horrible stuff. I'm like, yeah, like owning slaves and negotiating prices for the injuries done to male versus female slaves. That's awful stuff. Absolutely. And, and so let's, and so I'm like, and so, so I'm like, Sandy, this is, um, let's talk about ethical trajectories in ancient Near Eastern cultures. This is like awesome with 13 year olds. Uh, and Sandy's like, I already did. I already, I already got it. So uh, my point is, do you have a framework for this? In your, in your home culture, in your life, regular intentional conversations about the covenant marriage documents. The church of the future will be a church where the homes in the church have a framework for this. Why? Because less and less are we going to find institutions and private Christian schools and places of Christian education and you know what I mean? This is just, this has been the culture of God's people's homes for thousands of years. America post-World War II is just a very unique situation with a rise in Christian education. That's not the norm. Do you have framework for this in your homes? If not, listen, start hearing God in your homes. And the rest of the passage just hammers it. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, just hammering this point. This is what the covenant family of God does. Let's make hearing and obeying the Bible, hearing and obeying God's message. Let's make that the culture of our hearts, culture of our home. Let's make it the main plot line of our lives. Do you know you're living this story? This is your story. The story of Deuteronomy 6 is yours. We're continuing moving towards the provision of Messiah. He's coming again. The whole thing is repeating itself. Jesus Christ has died once and for all, but he's coming back to do justice. Let's prepare the way. And the, the story is unfolding just like a marriage. And so uh, every, like I said, it's Baptism Sunday, you guys. Every marriage begins with a wedding. And um, <laughs> we, like to, we like to make the analogy here. Baptism is to life in the covenant family as a wedding ceremony is to marriage. 
So if you've never gone through the wedding ceremony of Jesus, if you have never been baptized, and yet you're part of the family, <clears throat> then, that's, then that's a live issue. Jesus says that's a live issue in your life. You have not yet stood before and said, I hear you, God, saying who you will be for me. You died on the cross in Christ, rose from the grave so I can be one day resurrected and I can receive forgiveness. I hear you. And God's like, I'm faithful to you. I hear that you've been faithful through the cross. And God's like, will you be faithful to me? I will. The way people say I will is in the waters of baptism. That's the way. For all of church history, that's the way. And, and today it's the way. And so, so let this be a very clear invitation to you. If you have not stepped into the waters of baptism in front of the community of witnesses and said, I will, uh, then, then come on. Me and Sandy are going to stand right by the steps of the tank and, and just come up to us. And, and if you come up, we're going to say, welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the wedding uh, of, of you into the community of Jesus. So I, I'm not going to do like a show of hands who hasn't been baptized because uh, I'm going to let it be an, a moment of initiative on your part. So by you standing and coming forward, you're saying, yes, I will do this. God's like, I will be faithful to you, will you? And you're saying, yes, I will. Um, but first, we're going to come to the table, all of us. So, so we're going to come to the table right now. Feel free to stand up. We're going to eat and drink the bread and cup. Yeah. During this song, you guys, feel free to grab a little package of juice and bread and bring it back to your seat. And we're all going to eat and drink together. Drew is going to lead us. Oh, no, I am. Or you are. Yeah, Drew. Let's do that. Because I'll be standing over there. So Drew's going to lead us in eating and drinking um, and in worship also. But as, as we do this, just know God is shaping us. He's creating a culture of hearing in us. Because he said, do this as often as you can, as often as you do in remembrance of me. So we're saying, I will. And, and, and then once we're done eating and drinking, the waters of baptism will be open. If you have not been baptized, right after we eat and drink, come forward, talk to me and Sandy. And we will baptize you today and celebrate your entrance into this marriage, into this covenant family. Heavenly Father, would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you bring sons and daughters into your kingdom now through baptism? Starting with baptism and then moving into this decade, the new 20s, would you make us and wash us into a community that hears and obeys? We don't separate the two. Have your way in us. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so feel free to grab uh, the bread and the cup and bring it back to your seat and then hold on to it. And then Drew will lead us in eating and drinking and then baptisms.